Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray the Lord speaks to you as you hear His Word today. Please open your Bible, your Bible app to Exodus 31. Exodus 31 is where we're going to be. And before we start, I just want to say thank you for tuning in with us. Thank you for joining us online or on TV. It's so great to have you. Bible Center family, uh, thanks for staying connected and being a part of us right there from your home. But I also want to say uh, to you who are new, I'm Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Bible Center. I would love to meet you next time we're able to gather together in person or the next time you're able to, uh, you feel comfortable gathering together. We want to help you connect not only to our church, but primarily we want to help you connect with Jesus. I want to begin today by asking a question about heroes. When I use the word hero, what comes to your mind? I'll tell you what comes to my mind. First, my dad comes to my mind, and then my grandpa uh, comes to my mind, and first responders and and, uh, people, uh, veterans come to my mind. But when I use the word hero, specifically, let me ask you, what comes to your mind in terms of movies or books that you've read? Here's what I picture. First of all, Captain America. Captain America comes to my mind, right? He is like the ultimate hero, the hero's hero. But I was thinking this week about the people who actually make heroes possible. So before it was Captain America, it was Steve Rogers. And without Dr. Abraham Erskine, the scientist who created the super soldier serum, there would be no Captain America. And so as a hero, he had a hero maker. Maybe you thought of Luke Skywalker, right? Luke Skywalker, a hero. But where would he be without the hero maker, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Maybe you thought of this guy, Rocky Balboa. Rocky Balboa, certainly a hero, but where would he be without Mickey Goldmill? Maybe you thought of Harry Potter. Harry Potter was a hero, but where would he have been without Dumbledore? Dumbledore was a hero maker. And then there's Katniss Everdeen. Katniss Everdeen, who outsmarted President Snow. She was certainly a hero, But where would she have been without a hero maker, Hamish? Hamish was actually the reason she became a hero. And we have to mention Frodo Baggins. Where would he be without Gandalf? All of these heroes have something in common. All of them had a hero maker. They were ill-equipped to meet the demands in their life until a hero maker came into their life and mentored them, provided wisdom, direction, tools, and even courage to soldier on. Now, today we're going to be talking about heroes and hero making, and I'm convinced this message is important for you for for two reasons. I think it's important for all of us. The first reason is that maybe you are looking for a mentor. You're looking for a hero maker, somebody who for a while you've wanted somebody to invest in your life and maybe you're new to Christianity and you've wanted somebody to show you what that means or, or maybe it's just somebody at work or, or maybe you're a, a single mom and you would love to have a, a more seasoned or an older woman to pray for you and pray with you. So I believe this sermon is, is relevant for you. But I'm also convinced that the answer to your prayer, the answer to your desire, is also in those who are watching and listening today. You see, I hope you won't discount that God could use you 
to build into someone else's life. The Lord could use you right where you are, right who you are, to build into somebody's life and actually be a hero maker. Today, I'm going to be talking about making heroes, why it's so important, and how do we do it. Let's go ahead and dive into Exodus 31, starting in verse 1. The Bible says, Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Ohliab, the son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you, the tent of meeting, the ark of the covenant, law with the atonement cover on it, and all the other furnishings of the tent, the table and its articles, the pure gold lampstand and all its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, and also the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garment for his sons when they serve as priests, and anointing oil and fragrant incense for the holy place. They are to make them just as I commanded you. Now, what is this passage all about? If we could summarize this passage in one sentence, how would we do it? Here's how I do it. Moses was more interested in making heroes out of others than being a hero himself. If I were to summarize what we just read, I would say Moses was more interested in making heroes out of others than being a hero himself. Now, we're actually talking today about the tabernacle. I'll show you a picture here of the tabernacle. This is, of course, an artist's rendition. The tabernacle was a place in the Old Testament that they built for God to meet with his people and his people to pray and meet with him. And so what we're talking about in Exodus 31 is actually the guy, the general contractor, who built this under God's direction and under Moses' leadership. His name was Bezalel, and he oversaw its construction. Now, if we think just for a minute about the beauty of it, if, if we were Moses, if you were Moses, if I were Moses, it would be tempting to take the credit for the building of this. But instead, in Exodus 31, Moses gives the credit away. He said, no, actually, it was Bezalel who, who built the tabernacle. And he mentions him in three chapters, Exodus 31, Exodus 35, and Exodus 36. In total, Bezalel and his apprentice possessed all sorts of artisan gifts. They were skilled with precious metals. They could do masonry and woodworking. They oversaw the building and cutting and sewing and cabinet making and casting and metalworking and stone cutting and engraving of the tabernacle. Now think with me just for a minute. Where did they learn to do these things? The answer is obviously they learned to do it in Egypt. Bezalel and his apprentice and his team were born in Egypt. They had been in Egypt. The people of Israel had been in Egypt for 400 years, and they were quite young, and so they were born in a labor camp in Egypt. 
While in Egypt, they learned to build ornate temples and palaces and tombs and fortresses. They were well-versed in hieroglyphics and pictorial frescoes and carvings painted in brilliant colors. So here you've got Moses lifting up, platforming, giving the credit to Bezalel. Why did he single him out? What was so special about this man? Well, really, there's two things in the Bible that are very special. One is the fact that he's very, very young. First Chronicles chapter 2, verses 18 and 19 say, essentially, he was the same age as Moses' great-grandson. And so Moses' personality, as you look in the Scriptures, seems to be one of giving credit away and even willing to give credit and share responsibility and authority with people much, much younger than him. If Moses were alive today, Moses wouldn't be making fun of any specific generation. Moses would have the heart of the Apostle Paul who said in 1 Timothy 4.12, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers. So the first reason is because he was young. But the second reason Moses singles him out under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is because Bezalel was actually the first person in the Bible to be filled with the Holy Spirit, or at least, excuse me, to be mentioned that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And what I love about that is that Bezalel isn't a pastor. He's not a priest. He's not a religious leader. He's a contractor. He, he's, a, he, he's a carpenter. And he's the first person in the Bible who has said in this passage we just read to be filled with the Spirit. I hope that encourages you today because God isn't just interested in filling the clergy with His Spirit, but we need God's Spirit when we provide medical care, when we wire up a house, when we teach students, when we take care of West Virginia highways and bridges, when we build cars, when we mine coal, or when we work at Walmart. Moses was more interested in making heroes out of others than he was about being a hero himself. And we see this all throughout the Old Testament, specifically the five books that Moses wrote, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Think of all the people that Moses platforms. He platforms Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Rachel and Jochebed, his own mother, Miriam, his sister, Aaron, his brother, Jethro, his father-in-law, her and Caleb and Joshua, his own apprentice. Now, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to challenge you today to do this. Ask yourself this question. Do I want to be a hero or a hero maker? Do I want to be a hero or a hero maker? Do I want to be a person who's noticed for doing good works? Or do I much prefer teaching and mentoring others for them to get noticed for doing good works? Am I trying to be the hero or am I trying to make heroes out of others. Everybody wants to be a hero, right? Everybody wants to be a hero, yet few understand the power in being a hero maker. Now think about what would happen if we were to truly ask ourselves this question and and follow the Lord's invitation to be more hero makers instead of trying to always be the hero ourselves and pointing to ourselves and taking all the credit ourselves. Imagine what would happen in our homes. Imagine what would happen in our, in our jobs. Imagine what can happen in our church, in our community, in the community of faith, and even outside the community of faith. 
Imagine how your life would be different. Imagine how your focus would be different. Imagine how your funeral one day would be different if you spent your life focusing on one, two, or three, or four, or five, or maybe 10 people that you invested your life in. I want to challenge you to ask yourself, do I want to be a hero or a hero maker? Now, before we go any farther, I want to recommend a good book to you. This particular book is called Hero Maker by Dave Ferguson and Warren Bird. Uh, you can read it in a couple of days. It is great for leaders. Uh, it really helped me. I read it this past week in just a couple of days. It uh, really inspired me with some, some thoughts actually related uh, to the story from Exodus 31 that we're talking about. So I would strongly encourage you to pick that up uh, wherever you buy your books. But we ask this question, why does God invite us to be hero makers instead of heroes? Why does God invite us to do that? Well, four reasons. First of all, hero makers have discovered that dying to self and living for God's kingdom through others is the secret of multiplied results and greater impact. Now, I realize that's a lot of words, but think about that for a minute. Hero makers have discovered that dying to self, it's got to start there, and living for God's kingdom through others is the secret of multiplied results and greater impact. Now, Bezalel is one of my favorite Bible characters, and I can't wait to meet him when we get to heaven. But Bezalel understood this truth. I appreciate so much about him. According to verse 6 that we just read a moment ago, he had an apprentice. Exodus 35 and verse 34, if you're taking notes, Exodus 35, 34, says that he even had the gift of teaching others, and his apprentice had the gift of teaching others. Both of them were living for a cause greater than themselves. They invested their lives in others while they did their jobs, while they did their duty. That's what Jesus meant in Matthew 6, 33, when he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus wasn't saying, stop going to work, stop taking care of your family, stop mowing your grass. That's not what he was saying. He was saying, as you're doing all these things, make sure you're doing everything in your life for the kingdom of God. We could say it this way, every true movement of Jesus begins with a heart change in the leader that happens as we learn to take the spotlight off ourselves. Movements are started by leaders who've died to their own successes. Hero makers know that if they focus only on addition, they'll never get to multiplication. Hero makers understand that if we focus on multiplication, we can see God-sized results. God invites all of us to shift our thinking, and it's hard to do. But even this week, I'm, I'm meditating on how I can apply this to my life, shift our thinking away from wanting to be the hero, but instead of being hero makers. I want to share with you a few things that I wrote in my journal. Actually, I wrote a number uh, of statements in my journal, and so I'm just going to open up and let you know what I wrote for me and for our church this week. First of all, instead of thinking that ministry happens through our leadership, going forward, we'll begin to see ministry happen through multiplied leaders. Secondly, 
Instead of focusing on addition from this point forward, we will focus on multiplication. Instead of wondering what God can do through our leadership, we're going to dream now about what God can do through others and we'll start letting others know what we see in them. Fourth, instead of asking God to bless the use of my own gifts, we'll start asking God to bless the leaders we're investing in and sending out. Instead of counting people who show up going forward in our church, we're going to count leaders who go out. Instead of simply desiring to make disciples, we're not going to quit until we make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. You see, this is, this is what was happening in this story. This is what happens, we're going to see, in the New Testament. It's what God wants to happen in our lives. Instead of just adding campuses one day or planting churches, we will realign our budget and our focus over the next few years to plant campuses and churches that plant other campuses and churches. Instead of defining our success by nickels and noses, derrieres and dollars, we will define our success by whether or not we are making disciples who make disciples. And then lastly, this one really got me. I wrote this in my journal. How can we grow our church is not the question we're going to ask anymore. The question is going to be, how can we grow the kingdom? You see, this takes intense self-denial, dying to self, and living for something bigger than ourselves as we seek the gospel to be multiplied for greater impact. This is what Paul talked about in 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 2. He said, the things you have heard from me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. In that one verse, there's four generations of impact. You've got the Apostle Paul, a leader in the New Testament church, talking to Timothy. He's writing to Timothy. And Timothy is to train and trust, invest his life in reliable, trustworthy people so that they, in turn, can then invest their life in other reliable, trustworthy people. I am so excited for what God is doing in our discipleship groups here through Bible Center. Pastor Mike started our D groups, as we call them, here about a year or so ago, and about 35 went through the discipleship process, and different people are teaming up, and so I think we're going to have about 29 or 30 different discipleship groups of their own with about five or six people in each group launching this August or September. And I'm so excited for that because as every single year, as those who go through our discipleship group and life-on-life ministry, as those branch out and as we branch out and as I branch out, I just pick my location of where my group's going to meet this week. I'm so excited because I believe God is teaching us and helping us live this out. Hero Makers have discovered that dying to self and living for God's kingdom through others is the secret of multiplied results and greater impact. Number two, hero makers find the greatest joy, this is important, find the greatest joy in making others the hero in God's unfolding story. 
Now let's think for just a minute about how much hero making and heroism is heroism is is ingrained into our psyche. When I was a little kid, I remember shooting baskets in my back, back, backyard basketball hoop and just picturing that I had won the NBA championship with the last second shot and the crowd was going wild. There's something about little boys that desire to be the hero. Maybe if you're a nurse, at one point you, you, you dreamed of becoming the next Florence Nightingale. Or if you're a teacher, you dreamed of becoming the next Anne Sullivan who, who mentored Helen Keller. Maybe you've envisioned, envisioned yourself in front of thousands of screaming fans as, as you shred the guitar and they scream and, and, and you're popular beyond your wildest imagination. Or maybe you've imagined yourself with some sort of standing ovation after a recital. There's an aspect to our ambition that's actually good. There's an aspect to ambition that's actually a gift from God. And it goes all the way back to Genesis 1, 26 through 28, when God told us to take dominion over the earth, to be fruitful and multiply, but take dominion over the earth. And, and so there's a part of our ambition that's a beautiful thing. It's a godly thing. But if we're all honest, there's also part of our ambition that's broken. There's part of our, our ambition that very quickly tends towards selfishness and greed and arrogance and self-glory. So how do we get past that? How do, we, how do we push past that? How do we redirect our hearts? I'm convinced that we have to find our greatest joy in making others the hero in God's unfolding story. We could illustrate it like this, or we could rephrase it like this. Let's build a platform and then invite other people to stand on it with us. Or we could say it this way. Let's decide to start growing fruit on other people's trees. Or let's push other people into the spotlight of life instead of ourselves. You see, the measure of a leader is not what you do, but what people do because of you. Now, how can we do this practically? Practically, how is this lived out? There are several different ways that you could start. I would suggest what I call an I see in you conversation. The four most important letters of the alphabet are I, the letter I, the letter C, the letter N, and the letter U. I see in you conversations. And one of the best places to start is somebody who's already in your life. Maybe it's a child, maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's a, a distant relative, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a classmate, somebody that you, you could just look at them and say, hey, can I share something good that I see in you? And you share some gift or talent or, or some blessing from God on their life. Hey, I just want you to know, I see in you this. And when you share that, what you're doing is actually opening up, up the door to more impact into their lives. I see this in you. Maybe you could start volunteering at the Maker Center. As the Maker Center starts to slowly get, get geared back up, we're starting our, some classes again next week. I'm thankful for those who've invested and who are volunteering in the Maker Center. Pastor John and I just had lunch just this past week with a couple of guys who are now partnering with Mary C. Snow Elementary, and they want to teach young men and women about business and entrepreneurship there near the Maker Center. Maybe that could be you, or, or maybe it's something else. Maybe it's just simply taking somebody under your wing at work and teaching them what you know. Now, the, part, the hard part about that is that it takes more time. 
It takes time for us to invest in the lives of others. One of my mentors used to say, he used to say this, he said, first of all, he says, I'll do this, talking about preaching, and then you watch. He goes, then you can actually, I'll, I'll preach, but you can help me develop the sermon. Then he would say, okay, then now you develop the sermon and I'll help. Then he would say, you preach and I'll watch. And so you see that slow progression. I'm sure my mentor had plenty of other things he could have been doing besides investing in me. But that slow process eventually led to me doing what I do today. Heroes are not made, heroes, excuse me, are made, not born. For every hero, there's a hero maker. Someone out there needs you. Number three, why is this so important? Well, hero makers realize that Jesus is the only true hero. Jesus is the only true hero. Here at Bible Center, we say that we like to say the gospel can be summarized in 10 words. God creates, sin breaks, Jesus saves, Jesus transforms, and God restores. When we think about God creating, how does this passage point to God's creation? Well, if you're taking notes, it actually does in a couple of different ways. In chapter 31, in verse 3 of Exodus that we just read, Bezalel is filled with three things. Verse 3 says he's filled with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. According to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, and it's there in your notes on the app or on our website, Proverbs 3, 19 and 20 says, those same three words are the words with which God created the world. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Moses knew exactly what he was doing, even though the book of Proverbs hadn't been written yet. He knew exactly what he was doing. You see, over in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, Moses used these same words to describe the process by which God made the heavens and the earth. And so he wanted us as readers to know that God creates and that through his art, Bezalel was simply participating in God's creative work. But the second aspect of the gospel is that sin breaks. And so think about what, what he was building. What was Bezalel building? He was building a tabernacle. He was building a place that met the requirements for people to be able to meet with God and God to be able to meet with people. Why were the requirements so stringent? What was the problem? Well, the problem was that ever since Adam and Eve sinned against God and sin entered into the human race, sin has broken all things. It's broken humanity. It's broken creation. It's broken the cosmos. It's broken the church. Sin breaks. But thankfully, this passage points to Jesus. I had never thought about it until this week. Bezalel is actually a picture or a type of Jesus Christ. He's a picture, an illustration of Jesus. You say, in what way? Well, think about it with me. Bezalel was someone who spent time in Egypt, was delivered from Egypt, and built a way for people to have access to God. He spent time in Egypt, was delivered from Egypt in the Exodus, and he was building a way through the tabernacle for people to have access to God. Think about Jesus. According to the book of Matthew, 
Matthew chapter two, Matthew chapter two, verses 13 through 23, Jesus, as a child, as a baby, was taken to Egypt by Mary and Joseph, spent some time there, considerable number of years, we don't know exactly how many years, before he then moved back up to Nazareth in Israel. So Jesus, by occupation, according to Matthew 13, was a carpenter. So Jesus was taken to Egypt for a time. He was saved out of Egypt as Mary and Joseph heard that the king had died and they were able to move back to Israel and settle in Nazareth. He was saved out of Egypt and was used to build access. He built access to God. Except the difference is Jesus didn't build a tabernacle or a temple. Jesus was the temple. Jesus looked at the Pharisees and he said, I am the temple. I am the way that you have access to God the Father. When Jesus died on the cross and was buried and rose again, the temple veil, the curtain in the temple that once used to be in the tabernacle, ripped in two by the very finger of God, showing that now because Jesus had died and then eventually he rose again, it shows us that we have access to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jesus transforms us just like the tabernacle had a transformative effect. And one day God will restore all things. According to Revelation 21 and 22, the last two chapters of the Bible, the tabernacle and the temple were a microcosm of heaven on earth. One day, according to Revelation 21 and 22, at the end of time, heaven is literally going to come to earth. There's going to be a new heaven, there's going to be a new earth, and Jesus is going to be the temple and the lamp and the light in that place. All of that in Revelation is tabernacle imagery. Jesus restores all things. If you've never yet put your faith and trust in Christ, I encourage you, believe on Christ. Commit your life to Christ. Decide today to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the true hero. Number four, and lastly, hero makers are convinced that Jesus loves to make heroes out of others. Not only is he the one true hero and the only one really uh, authorized to be called a hero, but Jesus actually loves to make heroes out of others. He was a hero maker. Matthew 4, 19, Jesus said this, follow me, talking to his disciples, and I will make you fishers of people. From the very beginning, his philosophy was to build into the lives of others so that they could then spread out, multiply, and build into the lives of others. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus said, therefore go, literally it's while you are going, make disciples. That is the command in this passage. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then in John 14, 12, in John 14, 12, Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Let me ask you, 
do you feel as a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, do you feel that you do greater works than Jesus? Boy, I sure don't. I don't at all. And I'm studying for this sermon this week. What, what did Jesus mean by that we're going to do greater things? He didn't say you can do greater things. He said we will do greater things than him. Does he mean that we're going to preach greater sermons than the Sermon on the Mount that he preached? Surely not. Does it mean we're going to pray greater prayers or do greater miracles than raising Lazarus from the dead? No way. But the word greater means this. Greater refers to the reach and extent of our works as we see the Spirit multiplied through us into the lives of others. I am convinced on the authority of God's Word, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can be a hero maker. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter your status in life. It doesn't matter your title. It doesn't matter the, the bottom line in your checking account. It doesn't matter any of that. What matters is that you are a child of the king. And the king has called you to serve him and invest in the lives of others. I'm convinced that God wants this for our church. Not only are we going to be a church who makes disciples, but more than that, I want us to be a church and we will be a church who makes disciples, who makes disciples, who makes disciples. Why are we going to be passionate about this? Well, for those four reasons I just mentioned, hero makers have discovered that dying to self and living for God's kingdom through others is the secret of multiplied results and greater impact. Hero makers find the greatest joy in making others the hero in God's unfolding story. Hero makers realize that Jesus is the only true hero. And hero makers are convinced that Jesus loves to make heroes out of others. I want to challenge you. Ask yourself today. Ask yourself this week. Do I want to be a hero or a hero maker? Somebody somewhere needs you to make the right choice. God bless you. Let's go live it this week. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com or check us out on social media. You can also join us in person for services on Thursday at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m.